like 45 podcast i'm cade webb and as always i am joined by dustin ragusa dustin how are you this week sir i'm doing good cade uh the football team put their pads on for the first time yesterday shoulder pads helmets not the shells anymore and i feel like i should put on some shoulder pads right now and you and i should maybe do a little oklahoma drill after the podcast that's how hyped up i am so did you like put pads on in solidarity like put yes. pads in your girdle and things like that yeah. like bring the old practice gear out grab the old helmet out of the closet yes yeah. i still have it decal still intact and uh <laughs> threw that thing on to actually i'm wearing it right now you guys can't see me so yeah yeah i was wondering what that was all about that's why i asked <laughs> how are you i'm good man i'm good i i always look forward i always look forward to the podcast so let me say that but i especially look forward to it during spring football and fall camp and when it's game week. Game week, though, of course we look forward to it. Th- these weeks during the offseason are probably my favorite because there's always something interesting. There's always something juicy going on. I'm not saying that we've got some juice for you. I'm just saying there's always something uh, to talk about with you, and I know how much you and I love it. So I always look forward to it. I look forward to it as well, Kate. I just look forward to talking to you in general. But I was going to say, Bingo. too, along with football – I just feel like the basketball transfer portal is a little bit more interesting this time around. I think with the the window kind of like football has where the certain time period where players can enter the dead period starting on the 30th, kind of like right in between after it opened and it's going on for like a full week. So you can't have any in-person or off-campus visits. So everything's kind of, I feel like a whirlwind right now. I saw there was like almost a thousand players that have already entered the portal So that's just craziness as well to go along with football. So we always say, you know, we're moving into like a a slower period or something like that. But it with the transfer portal and everything now, there's really no slow periods in the college sports world. Yeah, you're exactly right. And on the portal, while we're talking about it, there are some certified guys in the portal. I mean, you've got Kalel Ware out of Oregon. Tamar Bates from Indiana just entered the portal as we speak. There are Severe Wheeler, who I know a lot of Oklahoma State fans, that name is going to be familiar. We'll talk about him later. But there are – it's it's been like this for a while where, where some names are in the portal. And I think this year alone you've seen more and more. And I think it has led to one of the most interesting, you know, two weeks that we've seen in the college basketball transfer portal. I'm sure Oklahoma State's going to see their own exodus, um, maybe – by intention or not, but I think that they are going to have to really look at the roster. Mike Boyne admitted as such, but we're, you know, we're, we're putting the cart before the horse. We'll get into all that later. I mean, Dustin, there's a lot of fall camp or I'm sorry, spring camp notes to talk about. Let's go ahead and get into it. Yeah. So like I mentioned, ads came on for the first time yesterday. They'll be in pads the remainder of spring practice so they'll have wednesday practice this week saturday and that'll go on and on until april 22nd they'll have the meet and greet on april 15th 
it sounds like Gundy met with the media again, Cade, and there wasn't a ton of notable stuff. He did have some interesting takes on the transfer portal, which I want to get to maybe when we're wrapping up string football. But one of the things that stuck out to me the most was the fact that he talked about everybody continuing to rotate in and out. He wants everybody to get the same amount of reps right now, whether that be a newcomer, a young guy, a veteran, until they get, you know, about four, five, six practices under their belt. So probably about the end of this week before they really start trying to build the depth chart, because he's got a seat with so many new guys. I mean, we've talked about the insane number of new guys coming in due to players leaving and just the transfer portal in general, that, that time period, it's not just Oklahoma state. He wants to get all these guys reps to know what he has. I I think it makes sense to me. The, the only thing I would love to kind of be able to, start filling out our depth chart a little bit more with notes that we've heard on who's getting more reps in certain places. But I kind of like this way to structure practice. Do you think do you think this works or do you think he needs to kind of start narrowing it down a little bit quicker than six practices? No, I think it checks out a little bit. You know, we talked about the offensive line last week. It was a little surprising to hear some of the the placement of some of the guys early on. And it may not be surprising if that's the case in in August, but it was for now. The thing about it to me is I don't see how you can truly know within six practices at some of these spots that there's so many guys. So as to your point, I think there's just too many new faces to really be able to definitively say what you have, and especially like looking on the offensive line. I think you should have a pretty good idea of who your main four are, but I think Dalton Cooper makes things complicated. Um, and I think Jason Brooks makes things complicated. So I don't I don't expect that they have that completely ironed out even in spring. That may be something that has some shuffling going on into fall. Who knows? But yeah, I agree with you on that, Dustin. I think I think you have to do it right now. A couple of notes from yesterday's practices and the practices that finished up last week. It sounds like Jaden Nixon has really been showing out, not only as a pass catching threat, which you noted to me. He looked great in some videos that were posted on Twitter of him catching passes and some drills, not only as an outside perimeter runner, which we know he's got the speed to do, but apparently he's looked good between the tackles running some of these gap scheme runs that, you know, we've talked about on some of the Twitter threads we've done recently. We know Mike Gundy's brought up, he's admitted to, they are changing some of the run scheme stuff. So as, apparently Jaden Nixon has looked really good. We already talked about Elijah Collins, Receiving core-wise, Jaden Bray has looked good. If you haven't seen a picture of Jaden Bray or Talon Shetron from recently, go look those up on Twitter. These guys look massive. The muscle mass and just sheer weight that these guys have put on, there's no way Talon Shetron's, I think he's listed at like 195 on the roster. No way. He's. I think Gundy said he's closer to 215. So these guys look huge. He looks like he also grew like three inches Leon Johnson apparently has caught a touchdown pass in every team team drill during practice in every practice so far this spring. So that's good to note. He continued that when they put pads on. They talked to Brennan Presley after practice. They did the, kind of the player interviews. Those are up on OSU Max. He had great things to say about Arlen Bruce. He was talking about how good he is as a route runner, how quick his feet move. Had some good things to say about uh, Dijon Stribling, who he calls Strib City. So a lot of fun stuff from the receiving core, from the offense. 
the guys were asked about the quarterbacks. They're not really giving a lot of info there. But other than that, it sounds like, and just from what we've seen video-wise and from what we've heard, it sounds like it's going to be quite a battle at the receiver spots. Well, I don't know how it's not. And I want to go back to something we talked about. I think it was last week. It could have been two weeks ago. I think it would have had to have been last week. But Jaden Bray and Talon Shetron standing next to each other gives me, I mean, all the warm fuzzies because <laughs> it's been a year since we've seen much of Jaden Bray and we haven't really seen much of Talon Shetron. But both of those guys look like high profile power five receivers. It literally looked like Des and Justin Blackman standing next to each other. And I know that's, you know, that's a that's a big thing to say, but truly it was an impressive picture. So uh, I'm excited to see specifically what Shetron can do this year. Shetron, I should say. Um, and additionally, they're so deep. I don't know how how you couldn't expect a battle there. I mean, Arlen Bruce coming in and apparently showing off some real ability complicates things. I mean, Deshaun Stribling coming in and showing off some real ability complicates things. So there's no question that this is going to be a logjam. And I, I will say it until I'm proven wrong or that I die. They could be better at wide receiver. Kid, we haven't even – I don't even know if we've mentioned his name yet. Rashad Owens. It's a guy oh, who played yeah. a bunch of snaps hey. last year, albeit at Cowboy back. But still, this is a guy who's a veteran, a mo- another monster of a man. We don't even talk about him. There's so many guys. And, I mean, even Blaine Green, which whether he's with receiver or tight end this year or H-back or whatever he ends up playing – that's another guy that you have to watch out for. Yeah. So those guys apparently have been performing really well. I'm sure we won't know who's kind of separated themselves as the one receiving core until a little bit farther along in spring practice. And we may not even know until the fall, but speaking of the word separated, I think that's going to be a huge kind of point that, that moves these guys ahead of each other, who can get separation from the defense? Because it's something we saw as an issue last season. You know, we talked about it a lot with guys like Bryson Green, Braden Johnson. Can you be physical enough? Can you be good enough of a route runner? Can you have good enough body control and balance to get away and get open from these defensive backs in the Big 12? So we'll continue to look at that. Kate, I did want to note, you mentioned not seeing Jaden Bray in over a year. I saw on Pokes Report Robert Allen actually mentioned, noted every single injury that Bray had last year. I know you and I thought it was the same kind of injury that was just nagging him. Right. So he suffered a hand injury in fall camp. He came back then he rebroke the bone that he broke in his hand in the first quarter of the Texas Tech game, but he still played the entire game. So played the entire game with a broken bone in his hand. Then he came back against Oklahoma and injured his shoulder, and that's when he was done for the remainder of the season. So I know like, when you hear about an injury and you think it's just a nagging one, sometimes you might question a guy's toughness. It sounds like they were three separate injuries for Bray, so it's not like he was just sitting on the sideline. So I just wanted to kind of note that because I don't think you and I had ever really talked about that, but it's definitely interesting. I hope he can kind of put those injury issues behind him and get a full right. season under his belt because I think he's going to be a special guy to watch. Well, he showed so much potential his freshman year. I mean, you would have expected that he gets a medical redshirt. So truly, still in the beginning phases of his career at Oklahoma State, and I think has been met with a lot of fanfare because we've seen the ability there. I just wonder if this is the year where it all kind of comes together, put the injuries behind you, and and really have a great year. I I, I don't see any reason he couldn't 
unless there's a quarterback that can't throw it to him. <laughs> uh, okay, just a couple of other notes. I've confirmed. Let's just mention Robert Allen again. He said that Oklahoma State currently does not have any scholarships open. We got to those numbers <laughs> through backing into it because we know some of the sixth-year guys are getting their scholarships paid for through NIL, but you and I were under the impression there were none left. That's been confirmed. So they're going into this next transfer portal period at this time with a full roster. So we'll see kind of how that shakes out. Um, another note from practice, Jalen Pope, who will be with the team in the summer from Alito, Texas, the high school recruit. He was there. He's actually in a boot right now. He hurt. He broke his toe in that playoff game, apparently where he caught for over 220 yards. So not only did he have a monster game in that championship game, but I guess he at some point in the game broke his toe. So that's pretty impressive. I think that's cowboy culture right there. Exactly. Uh, a couple of offensive line preferred walk-ons were there. Jude Rupp and Wyatt Holmes. There was a preferred walk-on possibility there in slot receiver Baxter Robinson from Casha Hall. A lot of guys there just kind of checking things out there with the high school recruits. I think it's really cool that they're practicing on a Saturday and they're able to kind of get these guys in. Hey, before we move on, I had two more notes. I wanted to talk about pro day, but before we hit pro day, what did you think about Gundy's comments on the transfer portal about having a high school recruit sign a one, two, three or four year scholarship and whatever they sign they're committed to. And the only way to get out of it is if the coach allows them to, you know, if they come up to him and say, Hey, I'm not good enough to play here. I want to transfer to another school because I don't think I'm going to see the field. Who negotiates that? I think that's exactly. a kind of a crazy exactly. idea. If you're a college, I mean, truly though, scholarships don't technically, you know, roll over. I think there's always a, a manual flipping of the switch, but there's rarely going to be that conversation where it's like, Hey, we're, we're choosing to re up on your scholarship. You're only notified if it's not happening. And who do you think, think he runs these, these ideas by Robert Allen? Oh, sorry. <laughs> he probably literally just like talks out loud at his house and, to himself. And then he's like, Oh yeah, you know what? That's, that's great. I'm going to yeah. use this next time somebody asks me. Pops up from the bushes. Great idea, coach. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not roasting right. Robert. I'm really not. It's just, it's a, it's a no, I love little, it. Probably, I probably, yeah. <laughs> I think, I think I just wanted to mainly call it out because I thought it was funny. And I like when Gundy just kind of not blurts out because I'm sure he's thought them through, but his ideas are just always. And honestly, the crazy thing is, Cade, he'll say something and we'll be like, that was kind of an odd thing to say. And then he ends up being right later down the road. So it's, it's really odd. I wanted to just call that one out really quick. I should I probably funny. actually answer your question rather than joke for, you know, 30 seconds. I do <laughs> think that it's, it's an interesting idea. That one in particular to me involves like high level decision-making from the student athletes part, which is even maybe more high level than just, accepting an offer to come play somewhere if you're accepting a two-year offer and you want three or four now you have to ne potentially negotiate that and oh. maybe they already kind of are in other terms and maybe they're already negotiating other things but that seems like another complicated thing but i 
I like the point he's making is, you know, you have to have some ability to structure your roster. That's what he's getting at. You have to have something yeah. to lean on so that way you don't have a situation like last year where 20 guys can leave on at the drop of a hat. I get what he's saying. I just think it's, it's a little out there. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely another fun Gundy media quote, but <laughs> before we move on to recruiting pro day, is taking place tomorrow in Stillwater for OSU athletes. Apparently, there's going to be 11 attendees. The ones we know about are Jason Taylor, Tyler Lacey, Brock Martin, Braden Johnson, Tanner Brown, Matt Himbro, Sionia C., and Lamont Bishop. I think that was eight, so there's three more I haven't seen confirmed or anything like that. But out of those guys, Cade, I mean... Lacey and JT are probably the only two that even have a shot to get drafted. Maybe, no, maybe a Tanner Brown seventh round. Someone just really liked what they saw from him at the college level, but I, I highly doubt it. There's no reason to kind of draft a kicker when you could probably pick them up off on the practice squad. So I, I think it's really just those two guys. I think somebody's going to get a steal out of both of those guys. I really do. I, I think they're going to be good value picks, and I think they're going to do well in the league. I mean, I know Tyler Lake's measured off the charts. Oh, gosh. See, now you're asking what I know about mock drafts, which is I don't, I don't, look, I, at, I don't look at mock draft Twitter. <laughs> I, know I would say I was... sixth for Jason Taylor feels appropriate. Yeah, I was going to go – I was going to go actually probably sixth for Lacey – six for Taylor as well. And Lacey was a guy you and I, and probably more me just cause I was more vocal about it. I don't want to bring you down with me, but I said he was a possible second, third round pick before the season. We saw the injury issues. Didn't maybe test as well as you would have hoped at the combine. Hopefully he does a little bit more at the pro day. I'm not saying he had a bad combine, you know, but he's coming off the injuries. I thought, you know, he could be a second or third round guy. Now I'm thinking, if he gets drafted, I think he has a better chance of not getting drafted than ending up higher than like the fifth round. Yeah, I and you should throw me into that boat and drag me down with you because I agreed with you. <laughs> and I think I might have initiated that conversation if I if I think right back to it. So you, you should not absolve me from that discussion of Tyler Lacey being a second round pick. Hey, do you know who out of all those guys I think is guaranteed going to make an NFL roster? Uh, Matt Hembro. Yes, that is who it is. Great guess. Long snapper, Matt Hembro. I think he's like an all-American long snapper. I, I think he's definitely, and he he's shown to make tackles. We saw him make tackles on special teams multiple times. So I think that's a guy you definitely see at least get picked up by a practice squad on a practice squad. And I think you see him snapping in the NFL for a few years. Well, hasn't James Winchester, he played at OU, He's been with the Chiefs forever. I mean, I, I mean, he's, yeah, he's 33, and I think he's been with the Chiefs his entire career. So you can make a living being a long snapper, obviously, and I think, uh, I think Hembro could do it. Yeah, Tanner Brown again. I mentioned him already more jokingly earlier, but I think that's a guy. He's a pretty good college kicker. I think he maybe gets oh, a yeah. lot. And outside of that, I guess maybe Dark Horse, just because we never really got to see much of him, but we know he's very gifted athletically as a Lamont Bishop. I don't know if he couldn't even really crack the 
rotation at Oklahoma State, but we don't know what all factors played into that. You know, and if he gets some coaching at the NFL level, is he able to make a practice squad? I doubt it, but maybe a dark horse there just because we don't really know what we have there. Other than that, I'm surprised Brock is even working out just be, with all the injury issues he's had. Theonia C, maybe. I I don't know. I don't know on him. And then Braden Johnson, that would shock me if he were to kind of stick around in the NFL for a little while, but we know he's got some speed. Yeah, speed is great, but everybody's fast in the NFL. I you yeah. got to have route running, you got to have hands and I don't know. I don't know. I think I think both Taylor and Lacey get drafted though. I am going to I am going to say that. I I'm not sure what round. I think it'll be the last day, but I do think they both get drafted. I agree with that. I would be I would be surprised if either one was not on a roster after the draft. Yeah, because I mean Jason Taylor had a good combine as well, so uh, Kate, any other notes on Pro Day? None that I can think of, no. Uh, I I would like to see more Oklahoma State guys being talked about as high draft picks. That would be my, my first real thought is, man, you've really only got two guys that are, you know, really looking at an NFL spot in the draft this year. I think you'd probably want to have a little more NFL talent on your roster. Kate, can we get can I give you a sleeper for the future? Sure. <laughs> Justin Kirkland. Oh boy, the hype train for Justin Kirkland is off the rails. He is getting to, everything we're hearing is that first day of pads, he just looked like an absolute animal out there. So should we I think they may have we, gotten a steal? And you and I you and I may have been a little bit wrong on his quickness because that was the only negative that I had on film when I watched is I just didn't think he was maybe quick enough. But again, he's playing nose tackle. It's kind of, You don't really have to be the fastest guy ever. If you're strong enough, can make tackles, and have great a great first instinct, and are able to kind of clog up that gap, maybe you can overcome that. And maybe he's quicker than I thought. I'm just going off of that film. But it sounds like he may be one of the steals of the transfer portal in – issue history from the way he's being talked about well and so back to what i said about the hype train being off the rails he looked in the picture with the 24 inch pythons hulk hogan shout out he looked (laughs) crazy like he looked like the guy you want playing nose guard at that time though justin if you remember we didn't know oklahoma state was going to play a three down front and we certainly didn't know that he was probably going to anchor it. So now it all starts to make sense. And I personally, the body type was there. It was the quickness. And I can't wait to see what he can do on the field. Because, again, I can't remember the last transfer portal guy that came in and so quickly has been talked about this way. Jalen oh, yeah. Warren, maybe? maybe? Yeah, probably Warren once practices started getting going. But I think I think you're right. And – the defensive line is something kid, you and I have had question marks on, but when I read these six names off to you, do you feel a little bit better at, at, about it now that we've heard so many good things about them? Nathan Latou, Deshaun Brown, Justin Kirkland, Colin Clay, who looks like he's beefed up a little bit as well, who was already a big dude, Anthony Goodlow, Cody Walterscheid, and I haven't even mentioned an Eamon Oates, a Xavier Ross, and, and uh, Aiden Kelly. I feel better about it, for sure. 
And again, I think that I think the move to the three down was vital for a really thin defensive line in a four down. Like now that you only have three spots, I think you're in better shape. So the the whole change really uh, was was a, a godsend in a way because I think now that they they have quality depth, which in the previous scheme we were thinking they don't have enough guys to practice. <laughs> so yeah, I feel yeah, better and- about it. It, it seems too, K, just like morale-wise, that the new defense kind of and you know everything that happened with the transfer portal players leaving, things like that. I think switching up the defense, and I know it sucks that Derek Mason had to step away, and we wish him the best in the future. But bringing in a new defensive coordinator with a new scheme with all these new players, it feels like it's kind of refreshed the locker room on the defensive side. Seems- they interviewed Xavier Benson after practice, and he kind of said as much, talking about how. He feels the guys are really getting it. They're really clicking. He's saying kind of everybody seems to be kind of meshing and kind of all for one mentality as opposed to anybody being bigger than the team. Not that he said that was like that last year, but he was just saying this year there seems to be a lot of camaraderie. Everybody's kind of learning this together with a new defensive coordinator, a lot of new guys. So I think just overall, to your point, it was just a good refresh for the defense, and hopefully it brings positive results on the field. Yeah, you got to hope. And Xavier Benson's a guy that they they need positive results from. He comes with with some high high regard. It hasn't translated so far through a season at Oklahoma State. So this is this is a big year for him. So I'm glad he I'm glad he's you know speaking that optimistically. Yeah, he was an interesting guy to talk to. I hope they interview him more uh, throughout the season and throughout the spring practices because since he was a newcomer last year, he didn't really get interviewed at all. I believe due to Gundy's newcomer role, right. but he uh he was interesting he had some interesting quotes i would definitely check that out on osu max if you have the chance all yeah. right Cade, recruiting i knock I'm it out ready. real quick when we get to basketball I'm ready. yeah all right couple notes made the osu made the final seven for damani maxson three-star 2024 safety he's six foot 180 pounds out of clear lake high school in houston so he's ranked number 35 overall safety and number 88 overall prospect out of Texas in the 2024 class. I think that was on on three. He's got offers from LSU, OU, Arizona State, KU, USC, Houston. Uh, sorry, those were the those are the other schools in the top seven. He's got offers from a bunch of other schools. Uh, as a junior, 67 total tackles, nine for loss, one sack. Five forced fumbles with one recovery, two pass breakups. He also had a really nice sophomore season. This seems like a guy, I know those schools I put in that top seven are some big hitters, like LSU, OU. This feels like a guy in USC, but this feels like a guy the Cowboys can land. And I think it would be a big-time get. I've watched a little bit of his huddle highlights, and I really like Damani Maxson. Yeah, he's he's got some pop to him, I think, and and obviously the offer list backs up some of what you see on film. But uh, yeah, if you if you think Oklahoma State can get him, then I'll get excited about him because I I don't like to get my hopes up. Uh, some offers in the twenty twenty five class. I know we normally stick to twenty twenty four, but these were guys we all talked about that were visiting last week, so I wanted to hit them just real quick. Got Lamison Waller, athlete from Sultana High School in California. Several California guys. 6'2", 170-pound, four-star. It's in the 2025 class. Oklahoma State's recruiting him as a wide receiver, but he's a two-way guy. Caught 64 passes for uh, 1,057 yards and 15 touchdowns last season. He also had 36 tackles and two picks on defense. So 
He said he's going to make a return trip back to Oklahoma State, but he's got a pretty stout offer list. Arkansas, Arizona State, BYU, Georgia, Colorado, Florida State, Houston, Notre Dame, OU. Maybe a guy OSU doesn't end up getting, but the fact yeah. that he seemed positive about returning is pretty big time. Along with him, Carter Jones, a linebacker from Crean Lutheran in California, six foot, 210 pounds. He's not rated yet. But he is the nephew of former Oklahoma State center Jim Click, a scholastic All-American and Big 8 Medallion Award recipient that served as a team captain for the Cowboys. He's got a display at Oklahoma State. He's inducted into the Oklahoma State Hall of Fame. Carter said he got to see that. I think that was really cool. He's got some pretty big-time offers, too. Arizona, California, Florida State, LSU, OU, Oregon State. With the connection with his uncle, I think this would be a big get he is a big six foot, 210 pounds. And kid, I'm honestly didn't know a lot about Jim click. So it's cool for me to kind of go look that up. Yeah. You, you went deep for that one. That's pretty good. Yeah. Just so like and then the, the last one we're going to hit, uh, Drayden Garner, wide receiver, wide receiver, another California guy from university city, six to 180 pounds. He's not rated. That's uh, in San Diego university city high school. He is also in the 2025 class. He's got offers from Arizona, Hawaii, Ole Miss, San Jose State, UNLV, and then a bunch of other smaller schools. Played both sides of the ball, receiver and cornerback. Oklahoma State seems to be recruiting him as a wideout. So that's a name, Kate, I'd pay attention to. Not rated at this time. Oklahoma State, one of the first kind of power five schools to get in on that offer list. I think this is a guy we might see back. I'm not – I guess I saw a tweet – Last week, I can't remember who it was from, that a bunch of California guys were coming to visit. So kind of building that California pipeline would be big time. Yeah, no question. I mean, the amount of talent out there, that would be helpful. But uh, I don't know. I won't hold my breath on the on the uh, gold rush out west, but I'll, it, it would be nice. <laughs> a couple of notable 2024 guys, Zach Smith visited, linebacker from Red Oak High School. He hasn't gotten an offer yet unless he got one while, earlier today or while we're recording He's from the same high school as Raymond Gay. I think it'd be a big get. He's not rated right now. We've talked about him a little bit. Caleb Hackelman, offensive tackle, 6'6", 275-pounder from Pleasant Grove. He made a trip up to Oklahoma State. He seems to be really excited about the visit. Adding anyone that size would be great. And then, Kate, the one notable, and a bunch of guys visited. These were just some notables I wanted to hit. The one notable quarterback, Boss Haney. 5'11", 185 pounds from Alito, Texas. He's a three-star, and he was throwing the ball to our friend Jalen Pope all last season. So it'll be interesting to watch how that goes. He's, I think the top schools for him right now are Baylor, Cal, Duke, and TCU. He's taking visits to all those places this spring. be nice to get him back to Oklahoma State because I, I know 5'11", 185 seems a little small, this guy can play. I, I think he was the D Texas uh, 5A overall MVP. Big time, big time QB at a small stature. I really like Haney, and it'll and, be fun to kind of see how that progresses. Yeah, and he's 2024 or 2023. He is a 2025 class. Oh, okay, okay. So a little bit of time on that. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. 2024. The, okay. the visits I was talking about earlier were 2025, so he's no. 2024. He'd be next season. He was yeah, a junior no. this past season. 
yeah, that that makes sense. Beautiful. Well, okay, I have a question for you, Dustin. Until are you? Do we have more? We have more, I think, on the list. If we do, I'll save my question for you until after. <laughs> no, the only other thing I was just going to mention: there's a bunch of visits coming in this week. Uh, one I wanted to call out: Jarrett Henry, offensive lineman from Trinity Valley Community College, in the 2023 class. Okay, so I said there's no scholarship offers left or scholarship spots left on Oklahoma State's roster right now, but it seems like they're giving Henry a look. I don't know if that means they think somebody's going to enter the portal. He's 6'6", 310 pounds, was honorable mention all-conference. I'm not 100% sure why they brought him in. He started every game for Trinity Valley at tackle, but a name to watch, Jarrett Henry at 6'6", 310. So, I'm not sure well, who else is really looking at him. He was someone I kind of just found out about right before the podcast, but definitely a name to watch. That is interesting because when we talked about the roster situation earlier, knowing that there are technically no scholarship opportunities available. However, I, I'm pretty sure that nobody – who was the guy that you were in on? The offensive lineman that visited – Everybody was high on JUCO transfer. It didn't end up happening. I can't remember his name, but oh, it yeah, came. I can't, I can't remember off the top of my head. It uh, came after. It came after the roster was kind of set, and they would not have right. had a scholarship for him either. So, right, maybe there's something going on here. Yeah, it's going to be something interesting to watch. But yeah, Kate, that's all I had. I won't run through all the visits this week because there's probably going to be some notable guys we can recap next week if they're to get offers or set up an official or say they're coming back. So we'll hit on them next week. But I wanted to point out Jared Henry for sure. No, I'm, I'm glad you did. And Hoss Haney, the spelling on that's phenomenal. So oh, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to hear how that goes. <laughs> and sounds like a real gunslinger. Uh, Dustin, before we move on to basketball, just a quick thank you. Uh, to our sponsors at Homefield Apparel. I figured on Final Four week, we could do this live. Uh, hope that's oh, okay yeah. with you. But I went on the website, homefieldapparel.com. They've got you covered. Miami, Florida Atlantic, San Diego State, and Connecticut. All not blue blood schools, which I will say this, Homefield does amazing stuff. I think they really shine with the non-blue blood schools. So I looked at some of 100% the agree. Uh, shirts that would be in my uh, closet, I might order the 1999 UConn Huskies uh, national championship shirt <laughs> that they have on the website. I might do that tonight. Uh, you I got I, a Connecticut I li- connection. I lived there for a couple of years. Yeah. So I'm definitely pulling for them. Uh, it's a good school and I have friends that ended up going there. So uh, definitely looking forward to them uh, potentially making a run, but you look at Florida Atlantic too uh, I think they just had a mini drop on homefieldapparel.com. So all that to say, check them out, get geared up for the final four, pick the school that you're riding with. Dustin, I'll ask you, who do you got? I'm with the lady tigers, baby. I'm on the, I'm on the women's bracket now. <laughs> That's a pretty good non-political answer. I re- I really, uh, am, am impressed with that PR nice, nicely done. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Angel Reese and the Lady Tigers right now. If you're not watching them, you might want to. It would be really cool to see one of Florida Atlantic or San Diego State win it. I think it's going to be Connecticut, though. That's that's my official pick. But again, they're the only team that's won it before, right? 
Yeah, and this would be their third title, I think, in the last 12 years, maybe maybe even less, with the third coach. So they will have won three titles with three coaches in the last, let's just call it 15 years or so, which would be almost unprecedented, I would think. So looking forward to that, uh, no question about it, and be sure to get geared up for the Final Four this weekend. I think you got a little time to get some express shipping, too, if you use our promo code Feels 12 for 15% off your first order with our friends at Homefield Apparel. And additionally, a quick thank you to our friends at Prize Picks. If you're not, you can all you can get signed up with them, and you should be. I played this weekend and uh I I, I did I did pretty good actually. So I'm I'm proud of myself, <laughs> but you can get on and with our promo code feels 12, you'll get your first deposit matched up to a hundred dollars with prize picks and uh yeah it, it's fun and uh i I've, I've gone matt bradley under on total points rebounds and assists the last three times and it's hit so uh i i think i've I got like that, that pretty good so yeah i'm deep into the college basketball <laughs> a little, uh, player nugget, odds a right little nugget right there I'm, and and we don't give out gambling advice and it's not gambling so we don't even we don't even really talk about it but yeah, i'm just so saying <laughs> matt bradley under has done well so <laughs> All right, no, big thank it. you to those sponsors, and uh, again, uh, thank you to them. But, Dustin, let's go ahead and move on into basketball. Just a couple of quick news and notes. The McDonald's All-American game tonight, it's nice to have an Oklahoma State guy in. Brandon Garrison uh, making the appearance representing for uh, Dell City and Stillwater. Yeah, I'm sure everybody will be paying attention to Bronny James, but we'll have our eye on Garrison. Well, I've got my eye on Bronny James because – <laughs> I, I, I think the I think the recruiting rankings are a little bit pumped up. I'm I'm wondering how much LeBron paid for that, but I've got my eye on him too. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It is cool. Always cool to see Oklahoma State represented. You know they'll show that graphic multiple times where everybody's committed to, has signed yeah. to. So Oklahoma State will pop up multiple times during that game. So that'll be a lot of fun. But the time you're listening to this, that game will have happened. But hopefully Garrison get plays well in the minutes that he has, but Always really cool to see Oklahoma State in any kind of national spotlight like that. Especially that. I mean, everybody knows the McDonald's All-American game. And speaking of Brandon Garrison, I just was thinking about it as we were talking about him. Mike Boynton this week said that he could have a Cade Cunningham-like impact in terms of winning, which is a big thing to say. And he even <laughs> caveated it and said it was a little bit unfair to, to lump him in with that. But Cade Cunningham was the number one overall pick. And that happens literally never because it's never happened for Oklahoma State. So I like what he's saying. I think Brandon Garrison has all the tools. It sounds like he's doing the things to become a true stretch big. So when he steps into Stillwater next year, don't be surprised when you see him taking jump shots like from the three-point line. But I don't know if he's, you know, he's a McDonald's All-American, but I think you've seen with guys like Bryce Thompson, for example, uh, Musa Cisse was an All-American. Just because you're a McDonald's All-American doesn't mean you're going to come in and take over the world like Cade Cunningham. So I loved what Mike Boynton said, but you know, I, I I will give Brandon Garrison a year to get his you know sea legs, so to speak. Yeah, and Cade, thanks for bringing that up. The Boynton media conference that was this week, kind of wrapping up the season. Along with that note. I thought it was interesting. He said he's already kind of talked to all the players about yeah. their their plan, and we haven't seen anybody enter the transfer portal or announce they're leaving or anything like that. 
Well, and what was interesting is he said there would be a lot of fluidity and there has been no movement into the portal. So I don't know what he meant by that. I, I'm, I'm really interested to see, though, because I told you last week who I think would be gone regardless. And Mike Boynton said it. He said they need more playmaking in the transfer portal. And there's no question that they don't have playmakers on the roster. They have some good basketball players, but not a lot of them. And, you know, guys like Severe Wheeler and Kellel Ware and Tamar Bates, those are playmaking guards that Oklahoma State doesn't have. So I actually would be disappointed if there was not some fluidity on the roster. That's what the transfer portal is for. Your players are going to use it. You should use it too as a coach. That's the way I see it. Yeah. And, Kate, you segued us perfectly. I know we have one other note we want to hit before we get into the transfer portal, but just since you talked roster, just to recap it for everybody, because we've gotten a couple of questions about it. They had 11 scholarship players on this, on the roster this past season, two of them, Caleb Asbury and Bernard Kuma were in their final year of eligibility. They're bringing in five new guys. So when, if they were to start next season today, they would be one scholarship over the limit and they also still have to take the one scholarship penalty so even to get active in the transfer portal they're going to have to lose somebody multiple people because they're they're over they, the limit right now don't they have three years to shed that i yeah I, they can they can wait until next season to take that last hit but yeah. either way they're still one over the 13 allowed scholarship limit from the ncaa that, that's a good that's a good point so yeah you're going to have to figure that out again i i i've i've seen as well that they they chris harris may have a spot um and it's it's tough to like talk about individual scenarios as because you don't really know like the context we're fans um, but at the end of the day, you don't know what's going on in that locker room, but it uh, sounds like that could be something that, uh, may not be what we talked about last week. It sounds like Chris Harris, if he wanted to come back, would have the opportunity to. So I, I have no idea what to expect. I just know what my wish list is. Um, and it's a little <laughs> greedy. So, <laughs> yeah. So kid, let's, let's hop into the transfer portal and we can hit that, that other basketball note just before we wrap up basketball. I'm not hopping. I'm diving in. <laughs> So before we get into the players, we have some notes. We have some notes on some guys who committed that we talked about last week who Oklahoma State was apparently linked to, and then we've got some new guys to get to. But before we do that, I mentioned it earlier in the podcast. There's a dead period for recruiting that starts Thursday, March 30th, this Thursday, and lasts until the next Thursday, April 6th. So a seven-day dead period where it's not permissible to make in-person recruiting contacts or evaluations on or off the member institution's campus or to permit official or unofficial visits from recruits. So that's interesting that it's literally happening during the transfer portal window. And speaking of the transfer portal window, it's going to run from, we talked about March 13th was when it opened and it runs until May 11th. That's just for the students to enter they can commit after that. So kind of like football, they just have to enter during that window. So I just wanted to kind of call out the dead period. And then, so we may not hear anything next week that could possibly happen. We may hear that there's some interest, but no official contacts or anything like that. And then they have until May 11th to enter. So we talked about no Oklahoma state guys entering yet, even though Mike Boynton has said, he's talked to everybody that could be because they still have, 
a while until the portal closes. Yeah, and and I mean, there are guys, as we speak, entering the transfer portal. I mean, Tamar Bates was a five-star recruit coming out of high school, and that happened five minutes before we got on the podcast. One guy, <laughs> Dustin, that I have not mentioned is probably going to be the hottest commodity in the transfer portal as of right now is Caleb Love from North Carolina, five-star guard, who Oklahoma State was in on when when he was coming out of high school and that was Mike Boynton's staff and I think that they were they were I think they were top six if I'm not mistaken so I think Mike Boynton's previous recruiting uh and the relationships that he built before we get into all these other guys like look at my uh Bryce Thompson as an example of that didn't come to Oklahoma State originally but the transfer portal allows him to come at some point I, I think you could see some guys that Oklahoma State didn't get the first go around make that leap to Stillwater. And if it's somebody just looking for a better spot, but they still want to get a lot of minutes, be a starter, I think Mike Boynton can pitch that to them. I know we talked about them being one over the limit, but we talked about John Michael Wright, maybe him moving on if they were to get somebody that can truly play the point guard. We don't know what Avery Anderson's going to do. So I think there's some, and obviously Caleb Asbury's gone out of eligibility. So I think there's some things that Mike Boynton can pitch that have to do with playing time. I think we could end up landing a big name. I I would totally agree. If there's a, I mean, they, they could have a starting center spot. They could have a starting four, a starting two, and a starting one spot all open, I think. So that's going to be pretty attractive in this conference. Okay, so let's hit on some of these guys that we're talking about. We're talking about big names and things like that. Two that we talked about last week who Oklahoma State was linked to have committed. If someone committed within like two hours of this podcast, I also probably don't know either. But this is pretty up to date because I looked today. Paxton Wadchick from Brown. The guard, he committed to North Carolina. And then John Tanji, the Colorado State guy that I think you and I both liked, committed to Mizzou. So those two guys are off the table, which leaves Joel Brown, the guard from Cal, Jamison Battle, the forward from Minnesota, Josh Nickelberry, the LaSalle guard, Ike Cornish, the Maryland guard, and Trey Tennyson, the Texas A&M Corpus Christi guard. As guys we talked about last week that still have not committed as of us recording this podcast. So Paxson and Tanji are gone. Those guys are still there. And then, Cade, we have some new names that Oklahoma State is apparently linked to. We've got Mustafa Amzil from Dayton. He's a 6'10", 220-pound forward. Last season, he averaged 9.3 points per game, 4.8 rebounds, 1.7 assists. He shot 37% from three on 3.6 attempts. He shot almost 80% from the free throw line, and that was on about 30 minutes a game. Appeared in 34 games with 19 starts. Your thoughts on Amzil? Oklahoma State recruited him out of high school. That, that was a name I remembered when, I, when uh, we were talking about him. Oklahoma State was in on him, actually, pretty heavily, so that could be one to watch. It's interesting, though, like, I'm trying to figure out the fit. Like, if you've got a 6'10 stretch big in Brandon Garrison, trying to figure out what the what the play is with Mustafa Amzil, it would mean probably one of Caleb Boone, Tyreek Smith, and Musa Cisse is not coming back. So Yeah, I agree. Or, or 
if Mike Boynton didn't say what he said in the meeting <laughs> availability about Garrison, you would think that maybe this is the stopgap while Garrison gets ready. Right. He seems to think Garrison is going to play right away. So I agree with you. It, it would probably mean some, if they were to land him, it would probably be one of the bigs is moving on. I, the one thing that stood out to me with Amzil though, I know only 3.6 attempts to get to his 37% three point percentage. And he's, 35% on his career with a little over three attempts. But what makes me feel good about that and that that's a, probably a pretty steady percentage is the fact that he shoots 80% from the free throw line. It, you, normally, if you've, got, if you've got a good free throw shot, if you're over 80%, that means you're a decent, sh- like you have a decent shooting form. You can make the shot. Right. And it kind of tells the story that your three-point shot is probably true. That percentage is probably true, even if it's not on a high number of attempts. Yeah. I mean, I've said 38% is my benchmark for three-point shooting, but I was talking about guards. So yeah. if you can go get a 6'10", 225-pounder. Yeah, that's a little different. That that makes you really <laughs> tough to guard. Could you imagine if Avery Anderson had that level of oh, yeah. player running the pick and roll? Oh, my gosh. That would be a, yeah, because you could pick and pop instead of having to roll. You could do whatever time. you want, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kate, out of the million names we mentioned on the first transfer portal podcast, we got one. We got one right. <laughs> Javon Small from ECU is apparently going to have a Zoom meeting with Mike Boynton and staff. He is the 6'2, 180 pound guard from East Carolina. Last season, he averaged 15.8 points, 4.8 rebounds. 5.6 assists, shooting 33% from three on six attempts, 85% from the free throw line. I like small. Uh, I think this is your point guard too. if you can get him. Yeah, I I think so. I mean, I, there's a lot of schools after him. And that's kind of the deal is, is this early in the portal window, everybody's after everybody. But the fact that he's taking a Zoom meeting with Oklahoma State and he's also taking one with Oklahoma, uh, that's a good sign, I think. And he's coming off some injuries. I believe he had a season-ending knee injury, and I think he was actually injured before that. He only played in 17 games this season. Uh, 18 games, sorry. He started 17 of them. The season before that, he played in 16, but on way less minutes per game. So he's got multiple years of eligibility left as well. He's only in his second year of school. He's only a sophomore, so. Yeah, that would that would be pretty sweet. I It, it kind of reminds me of Jaden Gardner, who's now at Virginia, but transferred from ECU there and has had a great career. I, I think had a similar stat line too. So I think I think Javon could do it. Next, another guy who's getting an in-home visit from Oklahoma State. I'm assuming that's either happening before or after the dead period. It's Denver Jones from FIU. He's a yep. 6'4", 195-pound guard who's also only played two years, similar to Small. Last season, he averaged 20.1 points per game. 3.8 assists or 3.8 rebounds, two assists. He shot 37% from three on 5.7 attempts per game and 85%, 84% from the free throw line. 28 games, 28 starts. The season before that, he played in 31 games, only seven starts, but he also averaged 12.5 points per game that season in only 26 minutes. So this is a guy that can score. This is a guy that has a lot of schools after him. And this is a guy that, is giving Oklahoma State a look. I think this is your guy. I love Javon Small, but Denver Jones, I mean, there's a lot of schools after him, but the in-home visit, 
I think is a big deal and a big sign of of where Oklahoma State could be in this. Granted, it's early, but I mean, he's in the portal early. He may be looking to make a move. I mean, twenty points per game is twenty fifth in the country uh, as an average last season. So, I I think he fits the bill perfectly. Six four, one eighty five. That's the length that Mike Boynton usually likes. So, uh, I, I I really like that as an option. Yeah, here's your playmaker that Mike Boynton keeps talking about. So I, I really like Jones as well. So keep an eye on him. Again, a lot of schools are after him. Next is DJ Horn. A lot of schools are after him as well. The 6'1", 175-pound guard from Arizona State. He's also played at Illinois State, so he's played for four years. I believe he's transferring as a grad transfer, or he'd obviously probably have to sit a year. Last season, 12.5 points per game, 3.4 rebounds, 2.4 assists. He shot 36% from three on 5.8 attempts, but he's a career 38% three-point shooter on 5.6 career attempts per game. He also shoots 83% in his career from the free throw line. Played in 35 games last season, starting 34, about 30 minutes per game. In the past three seasons, he's really played about 30 minutes per game. Two of those at Arizona State, one at Illinois State. So a guy that's got a lot of minutes under his belt, and a lot of schools after him. Uh, yeah, no question, Dustin. And I think his uh, his pedigree. If you watched him in in March Madness, he was one of the main guys on that team that was leading that charge. So I was actually watching Arizona State, and I think I talked about them on this podcast as like, can Oklahoma State go look like that? Well, DJ Horn would be a nice start. So um, again, it's it's important to not get too ahead of yourself. I think Oklahoma State's putting feelers out on pretty much anybody that fits the bill. But again, I like seeing where they're headed. It it's They're going the direction we've asked them to go. And the last one that we've seen linked on Twitter, I know we're going to talk probably about a couple other guys. We got a question on another guy. But the last one that we, you and I have seen is Khalil Ware, the seven foot, 210 pound center from Oregon, only played one season so far, he was a big-time recruit coming out of high school. Some people thought he would enter the NBA draft. Six points, 4.1 rebounds, 0.5 assists. That's in 35 games, 15.8 minutes per game. He's a guy that can also – he will take threes, 27% on 1.6 attempts per game. Shot 70% from the free throw line. This would be a wild get for Oklahoma State. Not only the fact that they have a guy like Cissé, but because of how hyped Ware was coming out of high school and how hyped he still is as a future NBA guy. Yeah. I mean, again, I don't know Oklahoma State's need or use case for a guy like him at seven feet, but if you can get him, I think you just go get him. If you need yeah, playmaking, the, make a spot. The number one ranked guy, right, in the transfer portal? Yeah, right, right. Yeah, exactly. Like I think if this you can get him, you go get him. Definitely a guy I think that they would would try to get. If you look at his per forty, I talked to you know he only played fifteen point eight minutes per game. That would uh, extrapolate out to sixteen point eight points, ten point three rebounds, three blocks, and one point three assists in forty minutes. So obviously that's not not realistic stats right there, but just something to think about and just to kind of show you how efficient he was in his right. minimal time on the floor. Well, and I think he's probably a guy that every blue blood in the country is going to want. So don't be surprised if he goes to a North Carolina or a Kentucky or a Kansas. But it's nice to see that Oklahoma State's put feelers out. And as we talked about, 
they were the second school listed on John Rothstein's list of schools that reached out. So I, I think they may be high on Khalil Ware's mind. So a little conspiracy theory from Cade right there. I like it. Yeah. I don't know. Just some eyeballs for you. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, Cade, we can say if it's cool with you, we'll save the one other guy we wanted to hit until the question. I love it. Do you have any other transfer portal notes right now? I don't. I just want to thank you for uh, taking us through it because it's it's one of my favorite things is the basketball transfer portal. <laughs> uh, and the last note we had on basketball before we move on to other sports is Mike Boynton back again as the under nineteen USA assistant coach. I love this, Cade. I think it helps with yep. recruiting. I think he we, they always end up landing a guy who ends up being on this team. So I think it's been an awesome thing to plug for recruiting. You can tell Mike Boynton really likes it. It's fun being able to – I probably wouldn't pay very much attention if he was to the under-19 team if he wasn't an assistant coach. So I think it's fun all around. I'm glad he's doing it again. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's such a good recruiting tool. I, I mean, if you can get in – and some of those guys aren't signed. Some of those guys aren't aren't committed. I think it's a great way to build that relationship. So it's cool. Yeah. Uh, okay. Moving on to baseball and softball. Baseball swept Baylor in a three-game series this weekend in Stillwater. The first game was a little scary. Baylor jumped out to a 7-0 lead in the third. Cowboys fought their way back. Marcus Brown walked it off with a two-run homer. In game two, Oklahoma State pretty much dominated most of that game. They won 15-8. to and sorry, that first game ended 11 to nine. Then they come back out in game three and run rule on a Brennan Holt walk-off grand slam in the seventh inning. That one ended 13 to two. They'll be up. They're playing Dallas Baptist right now. Won't talk about that one because it's literally happening while we're podcasting. They're actually down 2-0 right now. Carson Binge just had to leave the game. He was struggling a little bit in his start. But they'll be back this weekend against Texas who is ranked number 21 in D1 baseball's rankings. Cade, what were some of your thoughts on the weekend? Well, it's what we talked about. They needed a sweep and they got one. And it was looking pretty dicey on Friday night. There were some some tweets flying around about pitching. And uh, I think we've learned in college baseball that really, and unless the game is mercy ruled, that no lead is safe. And especially with Oklahoma State's ability to score runs in bunches. Um, again, I think pitching – Still a big concern of mine. You give up. Uh, I I think it was over twenty runs in this series. Uh, I don't have I don't have the totals right in front of me, but it was darn close. That's not going to get it done against a Texas who's coming to town in a couple of weeks or a a TCU later on in the year. They they've got to figure something out, or I think this is going to catch up to them. So overall, you did what you had to do, and that was win three games. But uh, I I think that they would probably want to keep those run totals down a little bit. Yeah, I completely agree. And just to kind of run through some of the team stats since we've been doing that after Oklahoma State finishes this series, the bats are hot, and they've been hot. They're 12th in the nation in batting average right now. 24th in on-base percentage, 8th in home runs. They're top 25 in all three of those stats, batting average, on-base percentage, and home runs. On the pitching side of things, they're 56th in ERA, 56th in whip, which that's the sum of the pitcher's walks and hits divided by total innings pitched. It's probably... One of the best stats to look at for pitching in college baseball. But they're actually 22nd in strikeout to walk ratio. So that's good. 35th in fielding percentage. We've actually seen some games get away from them errors wise, which is not something we've seen from some of these Oklahoma State teams of recent years. But it's something when I talked to Aaron Fitt, he had some questions about the, 
in the field with some of the changes they're making and kind of moving some guys around some of the guys they've lost. So we'll kind of see injury news wise. We saw Zach Earhart come in in the Friday game. He just played in the field. I don't even think he got in that bat. Apparently they're working him back slow. Ryan Bogus, uh, the relief pitcher. It sounds like we should start to see him more as the season moves on. Ian Doherty, who had surgery, uh, catcher. I've seen Adkinson catch every game in his absence. Right. He's still about two weeks away, maybe sooner. He's recovering a little better than expected. Aiden Miola injured his thumb <clears throat> in the Baylor series. He seems to be day-to-day. He's not playing today. He's not playing right now. And then we'll kind of see what happens with Carson Binge. You would have thought if he would have had a good outing against Dallas Baptist, you maybe move him into the weekend rotation, but – I'm not sure now because, you know, he got pulled in the bottom of the third. But all that to say, Juan Rots Brown, he showed us in this series what all the hype was about. 13 strikeouts. Wheeler couldn't even touch him in that Sunday outing. It was the most dominant pitching performance Oklahoma State's had this season. And one of the most dominant, I think you could put it up there in, in recent seasons, and that is what was advertised when we got him out of the transfer portal and when he got all the preseason accolades. Yeah, it was Thomas Hatch like almost. Just like you're you're gonna have a tough time with him. So yeah, totally impressive. And I think if you can just guarantee with him, and it's there's nothing is nothing's a guarantee, but it feels pretty safe when he goes out and takes the mound. Yeah, I agree. On the hitting side of things, Carson Binge, seven hits on the weekend. He was the Big 12 Newcomer of the Week. Atkinson continues to hit well. It's crazy that he's catching every single inning and still hitting like this. Brown, McLean, McLean and Riggio all had five hits on the weekend. Abram, Ben Abram, the OU transfer, he's looked really solid as a weekend starter. He's 4-0 in his last four starts. So pretty interesting. Um, and then just real quick before we move on the softball, I wanted to hit some of Texas's stats as we preview that, kind of like we do with the Baylor. Their bats aren't aren't hot like Oklahoma State's are. They're 95th in batting average, 116th in on-base percentage, 38th in home runs. But the reason why they've been winning some games and why they're on a little bit of a winning streak right now, I think they have one of the top winning streaks in the nation in D1 baseball, is their pitching. They're 13th in ERA, 32nd in, in whip, 47th in strikeout to walk ratio. Lucas Gordon, Travis Steele, and Charlie Hurley. We might even see uh, LeBaron Johnson Jr. start a game. They've all pitched really well. All have got whips below 1.28. All have pretty solid ERAs except for Steele. So we'll kind of see what happens there. They've got some good bats. Peyton Powell, Porter Brown, Eric Kennedy. Brown, Kennedy, and Powell are kind of their power guys. I think Oklahoma State can get two this weekend, and I think they should get two. If they win this series, Cade, because we know there were some issues with Jawan Watts-Brown's arm in Texas Tech, at Texas Tech. So if he's able to show another dominant performance and we can kind of chalk that up to him being sore, if they win this series, I think they can feel really good about their position in the Big 12, especially with how TCU has kind of floundered to start the season. Yeah, for sure. Not looking as powerful as TCU. I think if you beat Texas in this series, you feel like you're at top of the Big 12, and I think you probably will be standings-wise. Yeah, and I think – God, I don't want you to get to the end of the season and look back on that series and love it, but 
that first game is so important to win and win that series because I think it's going to be Oklahoma State and Tech. And and Texas has won some games, but as you said, I think in a series like this they're gettable and you can put a little separation between you and them. So it's a big series. I think they they will get to. I'll take Oklahoma State in the series, but it wouldn't shock me to see the ball start flying out of the yard at Oklahoma State even sweep this thing. It'd be awesome. That would be awesome. Yeah. So we'll keep an eye on that for this weekend. Uh, softball also played Baylor. They also yes, swept. They it was a tough, tough weekend for Baylor. Oklahoma State is now number one in RPI wow. in college softball. <laughs> Ahead of OU, they're number two in the D1 softball rankings. They have the 10th hardest strength of schedule. Rachel Becker continues to be awesome. She's been on base in all 31 games this season. Talon Edwards, we talked about her kind of slumping a little bit. She's turned things around, three hits on the weekend. Uh, Naomi had five hits. Again, Becker talked about already five hits. Kaelin Caldwell broke her nose and played in the next game. <laughs> they ended up pulling her for Scotland David, but the fact that she broke her nose and came back out there is pretty insane. Hey, let me read off some team stats right now for you for – uh, Calgary softball, eighth in batting average, seventh in on base percentage, 36th in home runs per game, 22nd in the RA. They're, yeah, that, they're literally top 25 in every single major statistic in softball. And, and that's how you get to number one in RPI like that. That's <laughs> it. And I'm, are we printing the t-shirts yet? I mean, number one's a big deal. Like it, I mean, it is. Football hadn't had that. So that that's a big deal. Yeah. If, if the pitching holds true, I, you know the bats will keep going. I think this – I keep saying it. I think this is a team that can win it all, even with teams like OU out there. So it'll be interesting to watch. They've kind of got a little bit of a knock on wood, obviously, but kind of a little bit of an off week this week. They take on yeah. Tulsa tomorrow at Tulsa, who's 105th in RPI. And then they play Incarnate Word in San Antonio, so away, who's number 161 in RPI. They're only one in six against top 100 teams in RPI this season. So they should win. I think it's only a two-game series, doubleheader. They should win all three of those. I don't think they're back in Stillwater for a couple weeks. So be locked in with Cowgirl Softball. I think they should easily win all three games this week and kind of hold that ranking up at the top of the standings. That Bedlam Softball ticket is going to be a hard one to get. <laughs> I mean, Super Bowl ticket or Bedlam softball ticket price wise? I mean, Bedlam football or Bedlam basketball or Bedlam softball. And I mean, I'm being serious. Like, that Truly. is going to be a tough ticket. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll definitely get a little bit more in depth preview there. But, 4K, before we move off softball, yeah. Aubrey Fippen uh, from the franchise and Chelsea Alexander, former Oklahoma State softball player who you and I talked about a lot, yeah. really solid hitter, really solid outfielder for the Cowgirls for several years. They've started a podcast called Cowgirl Corner. If you're not listening to that, you should check it out. They go for about an hour on softball once a week. And if you are a Oklahoma State or even college softball fan in general, I would definitely check that out. It is good stuff. I think they're like six episodes in, and That's they've awesome. been great every single one. So they've had Sydney Pennington on, Morgan Wynn. So they're getting Cowgirl softball players from the past on as well, and even current. So it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, that's fantastic. A nice shout-out. I have not listened to it, but uh, I will after that recommendation. Chelsea Alexander was fantastic. I'm sure yes. she's good at podcasting yeah. too. 
Yeah, her her and Aubin are great. I, I might have said Aubrey at first. It's it's Aubin Fippen that does it with her. So uh good stuff there. And that's Kate. That's all I have. Uh, I think we can get into questions and maybe a new segment that we talked little, about before. A little the bit of Ragusa's roundup for you. <laughs> So we got a question last week from Brian Metcalf where we kind of just did a quick roundup through the rest of Oklahoma State sports. So Kate and I are going to do it again. And if you hate it, if it's annoying, if it's boring, just tell me and I won't ever do it again. And I won't argue with you at all. Or we do it out of spite and you'll just have to listen and find out. <laughs> all right, here we go. Cowboy Golf is heading to Augusta, Georgia for the Haskins Award Invitational this weekend. They were off last week. The women came in ninth in Clemson. It wasn't very good. I think they've we talked about it. The men and women have kind of been underperforming a little bit this season. However, Madison Henson Tortured has clinched her fifth top 10 finish in a tournament this season. So although the team isn't doing well, she, as we expected, is doing really yeah. well. So uh, outdoor track has started up for the men and women. They wrapped up their first full weekend at the Baylor Invitational on Saturday. And they start up this week in Austin. So both teams will be there. I don't think there was any like true rankings last week on that Baylor Invitational. I think it was just an, like like it says, an Invitational. So they'll be in Austin this week and kind of see how things go there. Calgary Soccer, as we mentioned last week, they're in their spring exhibition series. They'll be back in Stillwater this weekend against ORU. So you can check that out. Equestrian, third straight Big 12 title, Cade. That's three rings. They're going to be heading to national soon, but I'll save that for an, the next Ragusa roundup probably. Yeah. And then tennis, the men, the 36th ranked men beat number 43 Tulane. And the Cowgirls, who are ranked number 15, they'll take on Iowa State this weekend. So I think the boys will take a two match trip to Texas next. They're going to take on TCU and T Texas and TCU before returning home for Bedlam on April 6th. So that's the roundup, Kate. Well, Dustin, that was phenomenal. I've got a question for you though. Do you prefer Ragusa's roundup or Goose's news nest? Ooh, tell me? I, I kind of like the second one. Cause it's, it's a little odd. <laughs> <laughs> it is a little odd it's definitely out there but i, I think I mean, I like hey, that one better. maybe we'll put a poll out there and, and people can name it and it's presented by nobody so you can also sponsor goose's news nest every week and uh, you can. We'll, see, we'll see how it goes <laughs> all right kate thank you for letting me do that that might be the last thank time you. depending on how the listeners go so do we do we have any audio questions or is it straight to twitter I do not have any audio questions. I'll give a double double look, and uh, we can get to Twitter. And uh, if I have anything, I'll let you know. Okay, sounds good. Our first one is from Glory Cowboy at GoRig Sankar. Thanks so much, Glory Cowboy, for always sending in some good questions. He says, what do you want to see from each offensive skill position for OSU to be successful this year? For example, our QB must have at least 3,500 yards of passing since they are not great running quarterbacks. Give me that for QB1, RB1, and wide receiver one. That's a good question. I mean, and we don't give out frequent flyer miles or anything, but we should for people like Gorg Sankar because that's a great question. <laughs> um, and he asks all the time, so I, I really appreciate that. All right, this is tough. I will go 3,400 yards passing, 1,100 yards rushing, 
and I'm going to say a thousand yards received, uh, eight hundred yards receiving, because I think the ball is going to be spread around quite a bit. Yeah, and just to kind of put that in context, the l- last year's leading receiver, Brennan Presley, had eight hundred and thirteen yards, so that eight hundred number really close to that. Last year's leading rusher was Dominic Richardson with 543, and the leading passer was Spencer Sanders with 2,642. Although if you combine all the quarterbacks together, I think they were about at 3,300. Well, what was Spencer's all-purpose yards were probably pretty close to 3,200 total. Yeah, because he had about 400. Yeah, he would have been, I think, like a little over 3,000 with the 400 rushing yards. 3,400 might be high. I think if you have a 3,100-yard passer, you probably feel decent about where you're at. And 1,100 yards rushing is a really, really good season. So, I mean, I guess it depends on if you're asking what's a good season and what is the minimum. Because I think it's probably – 3,200, 1,000, and 1,000, honestly. Yeah, I think you, even if you have kind of a split running back room with Collins, Nixon, and Ollie Gordon, not not splitting equally, but like all those guys are getting carries as opposed to where last season for the first eight or nine games, it was mainly Dom. I think you'd want at least one of those guys over 750. And I think you'd love it if they were close to 1,000. Now, if they come out and give the ball to Ollie every single play, yes, I think he needs to be over 1,000, over 1,100, probably like you said. So kind of to your point, if you think of it like that, you can answer it kind of both ways. If they if they have a bell cow back, I think 1,100 is perfect. If they split it and it's like a 65, 20, you know, just kind of split between the three guys like that, I think you could set the line maybe at like 800 rushing yards yeah i do like the 800 yards receiving though i I would probably say even if you're going to spread the ball around it'd be great to have a guy really close to a thousand but again that's a really good season so that's kind of the deal like if you're talking 11 win season they're going to have over a thousand on both if you're talking a seven win season probably not going to get there so i think too kid if you are able to get the running game going I think you could drop that passing yard total a little bit as well down to maybe like a 31, 3,200, even oh, yeah. just three, 31 probably is where it would be a good spot if you're able to have, you know, three backs combined for over 1,500 or 1,400 or something yeah. like that rushing yeah. yard. So agreed. No, that's a great question, though. I definitely, I didn't really think or look at that one beforehand, but I think that's, <laughs> I think that those numbers Kate gave out were pretty good off the, off the cuff. <clears throat> Yeah, well, they might have been, but I, I think I changed them twice. So, I mean, I don't even really know what I answered. Next, we've got Bill Minat at Bill My Geo Guy. Thanks so much, Bill. Another one, always sending great questions. Do you have more faith in the football or basketball program to put together a competent offense in 2023-2024? This is easy. Football. Yeah. I, I, mean, I think... I, I, there's just there's been there were signs last season of football, and I know a lot of that is due to Spencer Sanders. But with a lot of the weapons, we've basically the football transfer portal has already happened. We've right. added weapons, guys. We think that are good are good enough to get this offense going. The offense is making scheme changes. They're making changes on the offensive line. They've added guys there, added guys in the running back room, receiver room, and I know we've lost guys, but they've made an effort. So. I'm going to go in with a little bit more of a positive look 
basketball is just starting the transfer portal. And Kate, I'm sorry to cut you off. I know you were probably going in the same direction, but I didn't see anything last year that made me feel good about the Cowboy basketball offense or it being consistent at all. And they haven't done anything yet in the transfer portal. So I think it's got to be football at this at yeah, this I mean, point more, in time. More like Cowboy basketball. I mean, the way that that <laughs> offense ran at the end of that season, it's got to be football for me. I mean, I, yeah. I think that they were a couple pieces away from the whole thing looking totally different. Maybe that's the optimist in me, but I don't think so. I think we they've we've that was the worst Oklahoma State offense in decades, and I don't think that they do it again. I think they addressed what they needed to, and I think they're much better. Yeah, and the mood that Gundy's been in in these press conferences that always just makes you feel a little a little positive. Like, and we talked about it last podcast. Whenever Gundy's feeling good, I'm normally feeling good. Yeah, I mean because you can normally tell. Uh, what's going on the way he is for sure. Agreed. Okay. Next one's from Corbett Klein. Thanks Corbett. As always, which past or current Stillwater bars match the personalities of current head coaches at Oklahoma state. For example, John Smith in the penny or cross-eyed cricket or coach Bratton in the old 19th hole. So oh caveat this question as we normally have to do with historical ones. I had never even been to Stillwater before the 2006-2007 time frame when I was a senior in high school and then freshman in college. So that's as far back as my bar knowledge goes. I know some people listening, we may miss some of those. I just wanted to point that out. It's not because I think they suck. It's because I didn't know they existed. <laughs> okay, this is hard. It's actually really hard. I, but I think Mike Gundy is a Willie's guy. Is what? Is a Willie's guy. I think he's a Willie's saloon guy. I think so. I, I feel like maybe you're making the, you know, where Garth Brooks started out connection. Yep. Just kind of a, just kind of a been around Stillwater, old school and style, tavern, bar, country. It's a, it's a little country is kind of yeah. where I'm, is, it, it's really, I think, and it's a little bit off. It's not off the beaten path, but it's not outlaws. So I'm going to go with Willie's for my Gundy. Yeah, I think you could honestly do several <laughs> for Gundy. I think Willie's is a great pick. Almost any of the bars on the strip. I was trying to think, you know, Dirty's was a hot spot when I was in college mm-hmm. that ended up getting kind of, it doesn't exist anymore. It's it's actually at the end, I think my senior year is when it stopped existing, but into my senior year. That was one of my go-to spots, but I don't know what coach I would compare it to because, you know, it's called dirties. It was, it was a little dirty in there. So I, I don't know who I'm going to go with there. I mean, I John Smith would, likes is to, Mike I mean, Boynton Eskimo Joe's. I was actually thinking Joe's for Mike Boynton. I mean, I, I, I think I've seen Popular. him there before. So everybody yeah. likes him. It maybe not, maybe not the go-to spot for every single aspect of your bar going adventure but everybody (laughs) likes it and mike boynton seems like a likable guy it's a place that recruits normally are taken mike boynton is a good recruiter making some connections here i like where you're going i really do (laughs) i mean we got to have somebody for george's though right i mean john smith i was actually thinking kenny g Ooh, okay i like that and i think jc hoyt 
is a is a Murphy's or Copper Penny, and you flip the coin. Wh- which one of those do you think J.C. Hoyt uh, is most like? I'll go Copper Penny. Some limey. Yeah, I was thinking a little bit more more upscale. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's hard to do. <laughs> it's hard to do with the Stillwater Bar scene, which is, you know, I love the Stillwater Bar hey, scene, but they're it's hard all to go the upscale. Same. They're yeah. all the same, and we haven't even mentioned my personal favorite college bar. That's a good one as well. We got to do one for John Smith, though. I think John Smith might. Should we give him might, Murphy's? He's the he's the guy. He's the legend, right? He is the legend. Yeah, I think you got to give him Murphy's. You got to go Murphy's. I don't know who I would go with College Bar. You could give that to uh, give that to Dave Smith. I don't know much about him, but the track, <laughs> <laughs> the track and field. I like. He seems like I, a I cool mean, guy. Give College Bar to one of the grad assistants. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I do. Uh, I do think they're like you could do. It'd probably be easier to almost go through the football coaching staff and do this than the entire Oklahoma State yeah. coaching spectrum. You know that we ran an entire website together based off of like comparing people <laughs> to inanimate objects. Restaurants. I thought we've done a pretty good job so far. I mean, not not with our comparisons, but of at least naming things. <laughs> Which I think our recall has been great. I will absolutely uh, agree with you on that. I and the thing that I'm having trouble with is like, you know, now there's some really good breweries in town. Like, do those count as bars? But I don't think any uh, head coach at Oklahoma State has a brewery type of personality. I, I I think they're they're here. They're not here for a long time. They're here for a good time. Yeah, I agree. I, I love the question though. Maybe that's something Kate and I can break down again when we have if we do ever have a slow week and we can kind of go through with some full analysis. I think at one point I did uh comparing uh Big Twelve schools to Mexican food restaurants. I don't know why. I had a lot of time on my hands apparently. That one's tough because they change all the time in Stillwater. You should go back and read that because it got, I might. it got pretty stupid. I'll say that. So <laughs> If you guys want to hear me compare and Dustin compare people to things that you don't think about ever, uh, I, we might be your guys. We'll literally answer any question about Oklahoma State that you guys ask us. So feel free to literally. make it as dumb as you want. Not that that one was dumb, Corbett. I thought that one was good. We're no, that dumb. was a good question. That, that was, was good. good. We're dumb. Um. Okay, last one from our guy Ross, who – has sent a bunch of good questions in, but I don't think he sent one in recently. Ross, we missed you. This is another well, good question. From you. Mike Boynton recently discussed how he needs more playmakers on the team. I think Severe Wheeler would be a perfect fit. Plus, they have a previous relationship going back to 2021. What are the odds OSU can land him, and how do you see him fitting in with the current roster? Cade? Well, thank you for teeing me up on that one because I have an opinion. I think a lot of people are going to look at free throw shooting and uh, shooting numbers on the whole for a guy like severe Wheeler, that's not going to tell the entire story. I think if Mike Boynton is looking for playmaking guards, which I think he is, and I think he's going to look for multiple, I think severe Wheeler fits the bill. And I think if you don't have an Avery Anderson next year, I think he could come in and be your starting point guard on day one. And it puts John Michael Wright on the bench, which is, I do think a better option for him and for Oklahoma state. Uh, if if you have a guy like Severe Wheeler running the show, and again, I kind of go back to if you've got a stretch big 
that you can run a little pick and pop with, Samir Wheeler is going to be your guy to, to really handle that load. So I like him a lot. I wouldn't look too much into the shooting for if if Mike Boynton wants a true point guard, Severe Wheeler is going to be really as good as they come. Yeah, I, I agree. I like Wheeler as well. I believe he's a graduate transfer, so he'd only have one year. I think or so. I don't think he'd be entering the portal because he's already played at two schools. So at Georgia and Kentucky. So I don't think he could just instantly play again unless he was a graduate transfer. But to kind of what Cade noted about the shooting, I'll go ahead and just kind of list it out since I've done that with all the other guys we've talked about. 36% from three last year, 37%, sorry. But that was only on two attempts per game. Career, he's 29% on 2.1 attempts per game. And his free throw percentage last season was only 53%. It's a, it's He's a career 70% shooter, but that dropped to 53, a little concerning. But as Cade noted, 6.1 career assists per game. Yeah. And he's played four years and he's played in over 86 or 108 games and he's averaging 6.1. That's half of what Oklahoma State averaged as a team. Well, that's my, I think I said that to you. It might have been off air. OSU yeah. didn't average much more than that as a team. So <laughs> <laughs> bring him in. So he's a guy. He, he kind of just fills up the stat sheet, about three rebounds a game, 10.3 points on his career. So, again, this would kind of be your true point guard. It doesn't fix your shooting needs, even though, like I said, he shot 37% from three last year, but it was on minimal attempts. I do think, though, that this fixes your point guard needs. So I would take Wheeler, and I think, Kate, as you mentioned, due to the previous relationship, I think you could maybe see Oklahoma State being a contender here. I haven't seen anything officially reported on the link between the, the school and Wheeler, but I'm pretty sure from things I've read that there's been some discussions. Yeah, I, I'm not going to put all my eggs in this basket, but I think if there's a guy on the market right now that Oklahoma State has a good shot at, it's him. Because I think as – as uh, I'm sorry, I can't remember. Ross, who asked the question, I think – the the connection back to 2021 is serendipitous. So I, I think it's a really good option um, and I would take him. And I, I think that you, you've got to have a ball handling point guard who you can trust. Oklahoma state turned the ball over at an unbelievably nauseating rate last year. They've, they've got to figure that out too. Yeah, no, I agree. Love the questions, guys. Thanks so much for continuing. We continue to get five, six, a couple audio questions. Yeah. Not this week, but we had one last week. During the offseason of the two main sports we talk about on this podcast. So we really appreciate that. I know we say this every time. I'm sure it's annoying. But I, I truly wanted to say thank you because it means a lot that you guys are interested in having me, a known idiot, and Cade answer questions. Cade, a uh, moonlighting idiot at times. So, uh, no, I appreciate it too, and and we love doing it. It makes it makes for a really nice flair on the podcast every week. So, uh, I enjoy doing it. Yeah, Cade, I did want to mention. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but we may keep having kind of an odd schedule. I don't think you'll see the consistency of us recording every Tuesday like we do during football season and really during most of basketball season. There's some personal things and work things that we have coming up in the next few months that may cause us to record on random days. I'll try to go put it out there on Twitter early in the week if we're recording like way later in the week. And if 
if you are, if anybody ever cares enough, not that you do, but just ask me on Twitter and I'll tell you what day we're recording. Yeah, hundred. Great, great point. There's there's some things uh, coming up. About to be a dad again, Dustin, and uh, that's going to. Woo! Yeah, it is woo. Girl dad times two. It's going to be awesome. Um, but I have no idea how it's going to impact my schedule. I mean, I do. I, it's going to impact it, but I just don't know to what extent. And uh, obviously, work uh, always, always out there. So uh, don't freak out if you don't see your podcast in your feed on Wednesday mornings. Uh, it will be coming. But if you have questions, you know where to find me, Dustin, and the Feels Like Forty Five Podcast Twitter account, which is a great segue because if you're not following it, you can follow it at Feels Like Forty Five Pod. And on Instagram, you can follow us there. You can follow Dustin at Dustragoo, and you can follow me at Cade Webb. We will see you guys back here next week. Big series in Stillwater this weekend against Texas. Let's see if they can get two, if not three, and uh, get in a really good spot going into the rest of the season. We'll talk to you guys next week. Go, folks.